Welcome to Podcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Podcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Welcome to this episode of Podcast. My name is Amelia Wright and today I'm joined by Andy McLaughlin to follow up in our series of the five R's. Hi Andy, how are you? I'm great, thanks Amelia. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Great to be talking to you today. As um, as I say, we've spoken to Nikki previously um, and she's gone through um, some of the five R's with us um, previously, like I say, but um, it'd be great to hear a bit more about um, where you fix so Nikki told us a bit about herself are you able to do the same for us today I can but I'd have to kill you Amelia it's all highly secret stuff <laughs> just kidding just kidding a little bit of humor never goes never goes too far so um, yeah so well firstly well done you uh, pronounced my surname absolutely fantastically which uh, most people generally speaking struggle with um, so most people in business usually just refer to me as Andy Mack, which uh, takes away the McLaughlin bit, um, which can be tricky for most people. Um, so, yeah. So where, where have I come from? I've traditionally um, been in all sorts of uh, roles through my life, including sales director role and various other bits and bobs. And I've owned a couple of small uh, companies as well. Um, about must be about 12, 12 years ago, maybe a little bit longer ago, I got, got involved in the world of compliance in that I got involved in HR and health and safety, um, which is not the most exciting part of the world that you want to be in. And certainly nobody goes into business to get involved in HR and health and safety. Um, but it was interesting because I was able to recognize a lot of the mistakes that I made commercially um when i'd owned previous businesses that didn't do so well and i was able to join the dots really amelia in the point from the point of view of thinking how how does hr and culture affect a business so then i became really really interested in driving a business through its culture and so from there the next step for me was to then get involved in coaching and really explain and help small medium-sized businesses explode their growth by connecting the relationship between uh, the workforce management, creating trust, empowerment, all those things. And, and that's kind of my bag, really. That's kind of my passion, if you will. So when I, um, when I met up with Nikki, um, probably about 10 years ago now, we started doing uh, bits and bobs sort of together in a very informal manner. And then probably towards mid, towards end of 2019, we decided to actually firm up what we were doing from a from a training and coaching perspective because we both got a great um, or certainly in our opinion uh, a broad spectrum of skill sets that was going to be uh, useful in the dentistry world and um, we got together and we, we started to birth some training courses uh, which were proving to be very very popular um, in the old do you remember the old time when you used to be able to actually meet up face to face do you remember that <laughs> That was all right. It was a long time that ago. Right. That was okay. So we used to do that. It, it like how old fashioned. And then um, come come January of this year, um, somebody said, "Oh, you're not going to be able to do that fairly soon because we've got this virus thing, and it's just exploded and gone wrong." So from there, we've taken a big negative, 
And we've turned it into a massive positive because we officially launched ELA, so Exceptional Leadership Academy. Um, and we've got the online portal and we've just really pivoted our business. We've changed direction very, very quickly. And we've done, we've done on the tin what we help and show other businesses to do. So that's a, a two minute, sort of two minute, three minute background to who I am and where I am, where I've come from. No, really good and you know, interesting to hear because obviously, as I say, Nikki kind of went through as what what, um, what what her background is. So, you know, it's and it sounds great as well in the respect that you're saying that it's you know, that's your your bag, so to speak. So obviously it's you're you're able to get into and enjoy what you do as well, which is really important. Totally. Brilliant. So. In terms of what we're going to go through today, so as I say, um, Nikki's gone through um, a couple previously. Um, so today we're going to focus on rebuild, I believe. Um, so if you can, we'll think probably the easiest thing to, to get the ball rolling. If we if we were to say, in terms of rebuild, what is it that we're rebuilding, and and, and what is important about it? So the, the the word rebuild is is it, it's it's designed to be fairly vague, really, in many ways, because rebuild is what what does it mean to you inside your practice? What is it that you're trying to rebuild for you as an individual? So rebuild when we when we talk and when we go through rebuild, we really give people literally building blocks to be able to get their business or practice back to where they were originally, but then actually beyond as well, because we talk about. There's, there's three types of business, which is really interesting, Amelia. There's your yesterday business model, there's your today business model, and there's your future business model as well. And so um, when we talk about rebuild, we've kind of got to understand what is it, if you imagine a building that was knocked down, okay, we, let's say it was hit by a truck, which is probably a decent analogy for how businesses have been hit by COVID. Um, when when a, a building is knocked down and it's totaled by a large truck hitting it, and we're going to rebuild that building, at that moment in time, we can we can probably steer the type of design that we want to have. And we can maybe not have the door in the original place and we can maybe put it in a better place where it leads out into the car park and we can restructure the car park because that never really worked properly in the waiting room area that we have for patients. Well, it's always a bit small. So what we'll do is we'll make that a little bit bigger. So that analogy of rebuilding a building is the same for your business or practice. So when we talk about rebuild, we're really talking about um, the massive changes that have happened for businesses at the moment. And certainly when we get into talking about the rebuild part, we do talk about a shifted paradigm that everybody's suffered. Now, paradigm's a really fascinating word. I, I like that word. It's a bit, it's a bit of a, a, a bit of a cliche word in some ways, but it's very, very true in that. So for those that are listening, a paradigm is a fixed way of working. So I'll give you an example of that. It might be that you go to Starbucks, in the normal world without COVID, um, you go to Starbucks every other weekend to meet with your pal Amelia. Uh, you always sit in the same part of Starbucks. You always drink a flat white. You always have um, a particular cake, which is your favorite. You'll sit, you'll have a joke and a laugh. And then by 11.30, you always have to go because you've got to collect the kids. And that's a fixed way of working. Now, as we know, what was yesterday has changed. And what is tomorrow? Nobody really knows. So um, those paradigms, so those paradigms have been twisted and, and and shoved, you know, into a spin really. So when we talk about rebuild, we've got to say, well, actually, 
what is the key part that we're looking to to take the business to and and how are we looking to create new paradigms for the team members inside the business and also the management so principal dentists um, and just the management team per se um, so so in effect it's where do you want to take your business to because now that it has been hit by that truck what is it that you want and then from there um, we look to give those building blocks to be able to take you to that to that new place that new paradigm hopefully the new paradise that's what we'd like wouldn't we Amelia? yeah <laughs> in effect it's it's a really positive thing in you know what 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 has put us into that kind of tailspin we can turn around and say well you know as you say build from the foundation up as to something that that works better with us absolutely brilliant and so in terms of I've, when I've had a look at the the, the five R's uh, and certainly in Rebuild, um, you've talked about showing vulnerability as a leader. Um, so I was just wondering, like, why would, you know, why, keep, why do you talk about vulnerability as, as a leader? Because we've just spoken about a, a negative to a positive and then obviously any vulnerability, well, normally we would see as, as a, a negative. Um, so could you explain to me a bit more about, you know, why, you, why you've spoken about that? Yeah, because I think I think the world is vastly changed. I mean, not just from a COVID point of view, but also when you think about so so what you've got to remember is I'm from a HR background um, initially. So um, if we were going to be talking, uh, let's just switch it just very very briefly. If we were going to talk about a recruitment of people, um, and certainly when I do live events um, and I and I talk to sort of 20, 30 business owners, uh, practice managers at a time, one of the questions that I throw out to the audience is uh, and, and, uh, and as you can probably tell i'm quite cheeky in my style in the way that i deliver things try and keep people on their toe on their toes and keep keep them smiling um and i'll say to them things like is it easy to get new staff members and then i go quiet and they go well no andy no that's that's not easy and i'll say well is it easy to keep good staff members or do you find that they get sort of nicked by other practices and they go elsewhere well yeah that can happen most definitely and then we get into a, a bit of a, um, a rabbit hole really with regards what is it that people want and so what people want really is a human connection and and actually you cannot get any more human Amelia than showing um, your vulnerability you just can't you know it, it will create total transparency around what you are and who you are now if i were to go back to um when i was a, a i was a senior manager in a very large insurance company and i was running a team of 130 odd people and i was really young i was the youngest manager that they'd ever seen in that business and um and, and at the time um i was quite naive really around managing people and i just thought that you had to you had to show how tough you were all the time um, and you know, and, and I would have people challenge me day to day. And then actually, um, I was in that particular post for two years, and I'm I'm very proud to say that that team of people that that I worked with. Uh, notice I say I worked with them, not them working for me. Um, yeah. uh, that team of people that I worked with were the most incredible bunch. And actually, as I became more confident as a manager, and I actually started to show vulnerability. I realized that these people would do lots more for me from a production point of view. And I, I created a lot of trust and a lot of honesty between it. So, so much so that I could 
I could sit in front of my team of, I managed that within that team, there was a team of um, nearly 60 financial advisors. And so when we launched, and, and, and I'll get around to why there's an absolute correlation here with dentistry, um, because people are people, it doesn't matter what industry you are, it's absolutely of no interest at all. People have the same drivers, the same fears. And very often when we launched a new product or we had a new, a new sales drive in some way, I'd sit in front of these 60 seasoned uh, professionals who a lot of them were ex-miners as well so they were a tough old bunch believe yeah. me right a tough old, you you know managing these people was not easy okay um but they were great they were stalwarts they were fantastic and i would sit in front of them and i would say look this is where we're destined to be getting to uh, from a sales perspective we've got this new product you know can you help me help us get there how can we do it you know i'm yeah okay i'm your manager i get that but ultimately um i'm looking for your input here because you, you're the guys on the ground you know as the guys and girls on the ground you know exactly what we need to do so let's work together and sculpt it now that became more and more the case as i became more and more comfortable one of the problems that we've got in dentistry is that um it's not just dentistry i think it's the care sector per se um we there's not a great deal of management training for a practice manager um and there's certainly not a great deal of people training at all so when you drop into a practice somebody who maybe has been a nurse for a long time or been a receptionist or whatever it is that they've done then all of a sudden they're made to practice manager just because they've been there for five years ten years or whatever it doesn't make them a great manager so learning that skill of, of showing some vulnerability is a very a very very fine line but it's a very important skill to be able to learn and if we can show more vulnerability inside practice what's going to happen is people will be drawn to our humanity they will understand us more Amelia they will feel less threatened by us um, you will you will become more approachable as a leader and you will get better results because once you've got that trust it's absolutely incredible what people will do for you now i often use um the, the i talk about the bond that's created sometimes in our in our british forces um between sort of sergeant majors and the and the troops and all the rest of it they've got that going on they've got a real real link there and so we take that right the way back to the way that we manage inside practice showing that vulnerability is a fantastic starting point amelia for creating that emotional bond with our staff that we actually really really need to have interesting because yeah i think it it's almost like a say a new way of working there'll be probably people who are already completely on board with that but then i think there's the there's the cliche of how it used to be which was you know show no weakness because you're in charge and people are looking to you to be the strength so it's you know really interesting to hear how it's working to to show that that side of vulnerability so you know it's uh it's key it's almost it links back as well to what nikki was saying about you know having that bond with your team um so you know and we spoke about a lot as well about how all of these five r's all link together so you know so they work well together um so you know that's they a work, fascinating they work, they work as a chain yeah very 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 effectively yeah yeah absolutely and then in terms of um just probably going on from that then so i think you know 
when you're talking about that bond and you know you previously working within your team it's it's almost you know talking a lot about probably the culture um and what can they you know, what can a, a practice implement to help rebuild its culture so you know if, if that has suffered how how can they be looking to rebuild a culture well it's really interesting because if we if we wind that if we deconstruct that question wind it back and look at what some of the serial entrepreneurs of the world do okay so um lady called karen brady who's who's worked in business now for a long time amazing amazing thought leader entrepreneur she is incredible she's an absolute dynamo she was uh i believe she was a director in a newspaper by the time she was 20 20 years old by the time she was 23 she was um director at birmingham city football club and they and she was pivotal in the in the sale of that club for over 80 million pounds back in the day um and so she as a as an entrepreneur has grasped hold of this thing this culture thing um but then my all-time favorite um entrepreneur is probably richard branson and whether you like richard branson or not what you can't take away from him is that from scratch he's created a business empire now what's really really interesting about that is is how how has he done that um He's not just a, a great businessman. He doesn't just tap into great people. He also taps into great culture as well, great business culture. So when we talk about what sort of culture do we need inside our practice, okay, we're not maybe going to become the Richard Branson of the dental world, although maybe there is one person listening to this that may want to do that, and that's fantastic because I'm, I'm a big believer that we can create whatever it is that we want to create. But when we talk about culture inside of practice, the first thing that we've got to get right is we've got to get right the trust thing. That's the first thing. Yeah. And then from there, we've got to build that. We build around respect. We've already mentioned vulnerability. Um, we've mentioned that. But your question is, what can we put in place? So what physical things can we put or virtual things can we put in place? Well, to drive a great culture inside a practice, we need to think about what sort of benefits can we put in place that are going. To, it's going to really impact um, our staff. Now, when we talk about impact our staff, again, going back to my um, seminars that I run from a HR perspective uh, and, th and those types of things, I'll very often say to people, and I'll pose a question. And the question that I pose is, um, the staff inside your business, are they only, only driven by the money that they earn? Is that all they're interested in? And people go, no, Andy, no, that's not the case. No, it's not. No, yeah. no, not at all. People aren't. Now, what's happening is, Amelia, it's really interesting because people are moving more away from actually how much money they're, they're generating from their job. And they're looking at a more rounded life now, more of a life balance, um, yeah. more, more fun in the workplace. And so going back to um, creating culture, uh, the idea that when I was um crikey do you know what i did some i did some when i was 15 years old which was like about 10 years ago um, <laughs> and, okay maybe not Sorry. maybe not maybe a, number, maybe a number of years longer than that but when i was when i was 15 years old um i did some um work experience and i remember um cycling to um a place on grimsby docks of all places the fish docks right you cannot get a more hardcore environment for a 15 year old boy to Could show imagine. up <laughs> at five five o'clock in the morning on a howling winter's morning on his push bike and my then my then new boss said to me i can't i can't actually say the word the, the actual words that he said but he said words to the effect of 
if you don't do what you're told, you'll be back on your push bike and you'll be gone. But it wasn't it wasn't actually packaged like that. It was a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what's really interesting is that's no longer acceptable now in the workplace because not not just because from a moral point of view it's not right to treat people like that it's more from a business point of view that what you've got going on there is an old-fashioned management system called push where you are pushing somebody and you say you will do that by five o'clock otherwise i'll sack you that will get that will get results but it'll be short-lived what we want to do is create a positive whirlwind inside our practice and we want to create a culture that creates almost like a positive whirlwind a bit like maybe the Pied Piper we all remember the story of the Pied Piper how he sort of danced through the village he played his piccolo whatever it was and the kids all followed along and so what we're trying to do as leaders is we need to create a culture where people will just look to us and say oh can I get that door for you oh can I get that light switch oh can I carry that box for you because it looks a bit heavy without even asking because we've created yeah. the right culture. So there's lots of things that we can do. Um, some of the things, some of the things sound corny, Amelia, but I often speak about them because do you know what? Employee of the month, right? Let's just talk about that just for a second. Yeah. <laughs> employee of the month. Very often, employee of the month um, is discounted from the point of view of being um, a motivator of people. But let me tell you something. When you give out that certificate to Margaret. For making a fantastic job on the reception or doing whatever it is that she's done um, yeah. and you give her a certificate and she'll roll her eyes in front of the team members and she says, oh whatever oh can you believe i've got oh can you believe this look at this but do you know what she'll carefully fold that up put it in her bag and when she gets home to her partner that certificate comes out of the bag and she'll say yeah. look at what i've done this month Look at that. So all of a sudden she's proud. So just something simple like employee of the month, but get the colleagues inside the team to vote it. Make it a bit of fun as well. Now that's a fun thing that you can do, but something with a little bit more depth to it and a bit more serious um, is, um, is an EAP. So employee assistance program. And um, and this is, this is this is well underrated from the point of view of culture inside an organization. But an EAP, Employee Assistance Program, is a great mechanism because it costs peanuts. So it's a really, really cheap thing to have. But what it does is it gives you an exterior team of experts outside of the business to help your employees manage problems in their life. Because what happens is employees come into the workplace every day of the week with issues around, I don't know, falling out with their partner or maybe seeking some legal advice around a fence dispute that they've got going on at home, or maybe they're trying to manage a debt problem because they've run they've run a little bit overdue with some of their loan repayments. And what happens is people waste your business time by making inquiries on Google or on the phone to deal with those personal problems. So if you've got an EAP, which is an external group of people, an external group of, of, of experts that can help you with all those areas, then what happens is they make one phone call and they're able to deal with those problems. But more importantly, and this is the most important thing, they say that one in four people, Amelia, suffer with mental health problems. I think that's a load of rubbish. I think it's tosh. And I'll tell you why. I think it's more like three out of four people. Um, 
you know everybody is touched in some way shape or form uh, you know i have my moments um and i don't have any problems with that telling people that because again it's showing that vulnerability and that humanity um and so if it's if it is more like three out of four so 75 percent of the nation it's fair to say that in your practice of 10 staff um, you've got a good seven or eight people that are maybe struggling in some way. So if they've got some form of external, external support with their mental health, um, now let's say for argument's sake, they get some help from an external team. Let's say it, it fixes the problem for them. What's going to happen is that's now, again, building more trust with the practice, because remember the fact that the practice has put that in place for that employee it builds a great deal of respect, a great deal of trust. And actually, they're now really feeling like the practice is doing going well above and beyond just that normal side of, of, of actually um, putting an income in place for an individual. So, so when we talk about creating culture, there are lots and lots of things that, you, that you, we can do per se, but just those two things, employee of the month is great and an EAP, is a really, really cost-effective way to help your team members with mental health issues, with all sorts of issues, not just mental health, all sorts of things. Um, and, it, and it's for peanuts. It's an incredibly cost-effective um, program to put in place. Interesting. And I, I guess as well, just in terms of, like you're saying, where they, they may be taking time out to Google something or, or whatever, I guess as well, it's just that distraction of you, know, you and I probably know ourselves in that if something's weighing on your mind, you're not 100 percent focusing on what you're doing. So things either you either make mistakes or things take you longer or whatever. So I guess it's from that point of view, it's like you say, making that one call and going like, right, that's that dealt with. Now I can focus on my work or, or whatever it is. Can I give you an example? I'll give you I'll give you a live example. And this is really personal. And again, I'm about to show you my vulnerability here. So going back about seven years ago, um, my elderly dad was suffering with Alzheimer's and it was in a it was in a situation where the care home that, he, that was looking after him couldn't couldn't cope with him. So he was um, they, they basically said to me, look, we need to shift your dad. So it was left with me to to deal with that. Um, and I was at a conference one day and I was Googling. So I, I became that employee that was searching out information in work time on my phone. So I was Googling uh, care homes, etc. cetera. Um, and what happened was um, actually um, a pal of mine came across to me and said, are you okay today? I said, well, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, he said, no, you're not. You've got a cloud over you. You're not your, your usual jovial self. What's going on? And I explained to him, I explained to him what the issue was. And um, he said, right, okay, have you rung the EAP? Because we've got an EAP. Uh, and I went, well, no, I haven't. He said, well, that's crazy because you talk to clients about it all the time. Why don't you ring them? And I went, oh, okay, I will. So I rang through to the EAP and I gave them my reference number and my name. And they said, oh, hi, Andy, you've never spoken to us before. How are you? How can we help? So I explained the situation and I started off as we all do, because I'm an Englishman, so very apologetic. <laughs> Terrible sorry to bother you. I'm, sh I'm so, so sorry to be a nuisance. Um, and they sort of went, yeah, cut to the chase. What's your problem? Um, and uh, I said, I explained what the problem was with my dad. And they went, yeah, no problem at all. We've got actually a, a healthcare side. So we'll put you through to those guys and they'll definitely be able to help you. I ended up speaking to this amazing guy. He was incredible. Can't remember his name. Incredible. And he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'll do some research for you within a 20 mile radius of where your dad is now. And we'll find him a great care home that's within a 20 mile radius so you can visit, etc. blah, blah, blah. 
and said, yeah, that sounds fantastic, no problem. Didn't really think a great deal of it. By five o'clock, I'd got um, a report dropped into my inbox on my email, and I was getting into my car and putting my, my seatbelt on. I remember it very vividly, and my phone rang, and it was the same number from the EAP, so I answered it, and it was this guy, and he said to me, how, how, how are you? He said, I won't take too much of your time. He said, um, I've done you a recommendation report, blah, blah, blah. There's a few care homes in there that would be great for your dad. Um, but he said, what I've done is I've selected one of them and I've spoken to the care manager. I've rung him. I've spoken to him for you. And if you'd like to pop and see him at two o'clock on Sunday, he's, he'll be ready for you. I'm like, wow. really? Wow. And then he said to me, and, and, and Andy said, can I just ask you, how are you? through all this oh and you know when a stranger does something kind and you get a big apple in your throat and you can't swallow yeah. i had that moment and um now what's interesting is this so i'm showing my vulnerability here but let's be commercial about this how much loyalty amelia do you think that that helping my dad find that special place how much loyalty do you think that created for me with my then employer i've got to well, tell you it was mountains of mountains, yeah. mountains of loyalty. And I told that story time and time again. Now think about that on a practice level. If you're, if we are principal dentists and we put an EAP in place that actually really helps one of our staff members to, to rebuild their life or get over a hump, whatever that hump may be, how positively is that staff member gonna talk about your practice because it's life-changing stuff this. So now yeah. we're now yeah. talking about putting that putting that right package in place and how that can work yeah and yeah that's a brilliant story there as well um you know and it's not just about oh you kind of somebody going out and finding it for you it's that that weight off your shoulders i, I think it's you know it, it it means so much more than actually oh well i've got to spend an hour or however long it is to go and look for something it's somebody going out and doing it for you and just helping you and like you say as well when somebody asks how you are you haven't thought about it yourself and that's probably why it caught you off guard because you're like well I'm busy I'm doing this I've got to focus so you know, yeah catches you out um so like when we're talking then we're talking a bit about headspace there and and you know kind of showing vulnerability all that kind of thing um so in terms of if you were a, a manager or a principal dentist what would you what what would be your advice for really getting inside the the headspace of the team well what's really interesting at the moment is that if we talk about that so so okay so headspace is one of my passions really because again if you can get inside somebody's headspace that's where you're really going to drive your business forward um so there's this thing out there called conditioning and we all go through it and and if i were to say to you um in fact see if you can complete the following conundrum right so listening in amelia listen in, okay? oh no pressure <laughs> so i just need you to just finish what i'm about to say so clunk click every, every trip there you go boom where did that come, where did that come from seatbelts okay so so you you were you took part in some conditioning in the 1970s 80s um around a road safety campaign clunk click every day uh, clunk click every trip um yeah. and now what's really interesting about that is that from a, a psychological point of view they ran that they ran that campaign for 21 days um because they say that um a repetition 
of something 21 times will either make or break a habit. So, um, so you know, so so if if we want to stop drinking, then we need to um, we need to quit for at least three weeks, and then it gets easier. Well, actually, I'm here to tell you it, it doesn't get totally. Easy. I've I'm, I've been teetotal now for nearly five years. Wow. And, and, yeah, and so every now and again, my wife will say, "Smell that glass of wine or whatever," and it, oh, I'm like, "Oh, do you know what? I could just do with that." And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it never it never quite leaves you, but um, the, 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 the point around conditioning is this. If that's the case and, and conditioning works in that way, then what we need to ask ourselves is how has COVID affected people um, from the point of view of stay home, stay safe, protect the NHS, save lives. Very important mantra, very important. But of course, it has an impact on um, on actually um, our team. So what we need to do is we, we really need to make our team feel safe. Now, it's really ironic because I don't think there's a safer place to be than a dental practice at this moment moment in time. I mean, I, I went I went and had some dental work done. Um, as, so and this is something nice that I bring to ELA because I bring a patient's pers perspective to, to ELA, whereas then uh, whereas Nikki brings the, the dental side. OK, um, so I bring the business and the and the, uh, the the patient side. Wow. Goodness me. I couldn't believe it was mind blowing the the, the process take my hat off to you guys and girls because you're just unbelievable how you're doing such an amazing job under such tremendous um, pressure so so yeah so when we think about um headspace for for staff we need to accept that people are conditioned by certain processes and so what that means is it means that we can condition people in a positive way as well and we can condition people to understand that the world is more positive than it is negative. And the way that we do that is by making sure that we're very careful about what rhetoric is inside the practice and, and by what is what messages are being exchanged by team members. So when we talk about uh, negative ninnies inside practice and somebody that wants to drag everybody down, that's not just a practice, by the way. That's every single business in the world. Yeah. Because we're talking about people here. So it doesn't matter that you're a dental practice. Don't think for a second that you don't have negativity in all the businesses, because I'm here to tell you categorically that you do. So what we need to do is we need to we need to stop that. And from a leadership point of view, and again, this is this is something that Nikki and I get into in some of our training courses. That's a complete skill set to be able to take that individual to one side and to be able to say to that one negative ninny, um, I'm going to ask you for some help. Do you think you can help me on something? And they say, yes, Andy, what can I help you with? Great. OK, so what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to really need your support on this, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to shift the practice up, up a gear. And because, you know, like we're under a great deal of pressure and stress with COVID and we're managing all this PP and it's it's horrible. Would you agree? And they go, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. So listen, I'm picking out one or two special people to really support me with driving this practice forward. And I reckon you're one of the most special people here that could actually switch around how we how we deal with the negativity inside the practice. So could I ask you when you're fed up with something, could I ask you maybe not to share it with your other team members? If you're fed up with something, come and have a chat with me. By all means, my, I operate a, an open door policy. Um, but please try not to put it onto the less experienced team members because you're one of the most experienced team members that we've got now it now it now there's a number of implications in there and there's a great deal of 
of reverse psychology in there but yeah. you will find that making making that negative person a cheerleader and, and it'll take some work that won't be just one one meeting by the way it will take some major work um yeah. but if you keep chip, chipping at it you will then create your own conditioning around that individual because what's really interesting amelia is this we all know these negative people in our social lives um you know I, i've got them in my family um i've got a family member who will come around spend time with me and by the time um, she has walked out the door, and I better be very careful what I say here in case in case this is listened to, right? Um, that individual walked out the door and I feel exhausted, just yeah. exhausted. Now, we all have if, that one relative, don't we? Because I feel exactly the same. I've got a relative and it's everything is doom and gloom. And it's just, like you say, it is exhausting. And, you know, it, it brings you down. It's crazy. So if we're able to control that, maybe take that individual and turn them into a fan of the organization and turn them into. And so you're switching their direction from from completely being negative all the time. But the point I was going to make, which I just lost my thread on, um, was that those people, whoever that individual is that's negative, they've usually gone through their own conditioning to become negative. And their own belief system has become negative as well. And belief system, wow, that that is just like that's a four-day singular podcast. That because because <laughs> um, that just so, so people's belief system is just it's mesmerizing what we can either do, what we can create, or how it actually stops us as well. And when I when I talk about um, when we go into the the second podcast. Um, and we do resilience. I'll get more into that because, again, it's linked to conditioning and actual fact. So so when you talk about getting inside that headspace, it's really important. And just having honesty chats with people. You know, Nikki talks about interviews, which I really like. So it's not an interview. It's an interview. That's people look, look inside themselves. Now, you've got to have an element of um, of broad mindedness and quite quite a big character to be able to look inside yourself. And to be able to say, actually, I could have done that better. Um, and again, it's a skill of a manager to take that um, interview and get some and get talking to somebody and to get them to really think about if they could do something better. So for principal dentists and for practice managers, that is going to be, Amelia, that's going to be evolution and not revolution. But if they keep going with it, if they keep going with it and they, and they persevere, they will create that trust, which will then um, create that explosive growth inside the practice. Right. And, you know, I mean, in, it's such interesting you know, thoughts and you know, what you're sharing with us. You know, again, I mean, I could go on and go on to this belief system, but I think we'll probably, you know, like you say, we'll be be the end of the day and we won't have achieved anything. We'll have just been talking about <laughs> having a chat for the whole day. So um, what, what we'll do then, I think, we'll, you know, We'll wrap that one up there um, because, you know, we've, like you say, we've got more in the series to come. Um, and the next time we're talking to you is about resilience. But if there is anything that anybody wants to kind of find out a bit further, we will always put the link on. So the link will be with this um, podcast here. So people can scroll down and have a look, click through um, and also contact details. So if anybody just kind of wants to find anything more about it, we'll obviously be able to, to point them in your direction. So, That's fantastic, Amelia. Thank you. 
No problem at all. So for the time being, thank you very much for your time today. Um, we'll, we'll, as I say, we'll hear from you next time about resilience. Um, so everybody keep your eyes peeled. We'll be popping that on social media um, and it'll be on our media hub as well. Um, and Andy will be sending you the link if you want to be able to share that also. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been fabulous. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to speak to you and we'll speak again yeah. soon. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.